Welcome to the Golf Fly Faith podcast. I'm Toby Ragland and joined with Jace Barber. Jace, how you doing? Doing great. Another Golf Fly Faith podcast. Pumped. Love the guest today. So our guest today is Clemson's Ben Martin, uh, who is a winner on the PGA Tour and has had a pretty cool golf career. Uh, he turned pro in 2010. We're going to get to know a lot of his story um, in all areas, golf, life, and faith. So, Ben, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Thank you all for having me on. Um, yeah, winner on the PJ Tour. That was a long time ago now. I need to, I need to uh, update that resume. <laughs> 2014, it seems like two years ago, but it was almost nine years ago. Wow. Wow. Yeah, coming up on that 10-year anniversary. Before we uh, – I want, want to get a little context of where you are in your golf career right now, but I want to point out two things from our – little zoom right now um we're looking at jace uh who's wearing an auburn hat and then he's got an alabama signed football behind him <laughs> so we have that um picture and then also uh behind ben beside his his master's invitation from his first master's uh he also has a picture of him when he was about 10 years old with Dabo sweeney while Dabo was at alabama so we have all kinds of college backgrounds going on here. <laughs> and then behind Toby, we just have club champion, club champion, club champion. That's what's going on behind Toby and books. <laughs> no, that's the mid-am, you know, in the four ball. <laughs> Love it. Participation trophies. <laughs> well, Ben, give us, you know, we're sitting here, it's master's week. And in a couple of weeks, you'll be playing at Hilton Head. Uh, what is your golf career uh, status right now on the PGA tour. Yeah. So this season I, um, it's, it's, I'm back fully exempt on the PGA tour, which has been nice. I made it through the corn Ferry tour playoffs, uh, last summer. And so with that, I've gotten to play, I think 16 tournaments so far this season, starting back in September and, uh, been trending great the last few months playing some good golf, making a lot of cuts, playing a lot of golf, a few top 10 sprinkled in there. And so obviously would love to be teeing it up at Augusta this week as, as anyone who plays the tour or, or plays at a, a high level. Um, but I have played four weeks in a row too. So, so being at home is nice. The life of a, a pro professional golfer. I left home on March the 5th and got home on April the 2nd. So, about a month on the road without sleeping in your own bed is a long time. Uh, but I'm, I'm enjoying a little bit of downtime before teeing it back up at Hilton Head next week. Ugh. And that's one of the aspects of professional golf that a lot of people don't realize. And they're like, oh, you have the best job in the whole world. And there's a lot of really good things about professional golf. But when you're gone for four straight weeks, sometimes you have your family or sometimes you don't. That is tough. That is tough. Um, yeah, I think I remember the transition from Clemson days, amateur golf in the summer. It was like you play one tournament, then you're home for a week or two, then you go to another tournament. And then I made it through Q school um, right after I graduated that fall. And I was like five weeks in a row on the West Coast without coming home. I was like, wow, this is quite a bit different than uh, what I'm used to. So, so that, I mean, a lot of times the transition, I think, from professional golf to professional golf from amateur golf 
is, is not just the golf piece, but it's learning the traveling by yourself. You didn't have your coach setting up, you know, all your flights and all that. And so it's, um, the travel. And and then now that, uh, my wife Kelly and I have two girls, uh, and Pierce who just turned five last week and Francis is two, uh, just missing them. You know, there's, there's always tension there. I grew up, my dad, uh, worked, uh, uh, for a, a small textile company. My mom was a school teacher, so they never traveled. They were home every night. You know, as I think back um, to my, uh, my dad, he was always there to coach all my sports teams. And in the summers we'd go play nine holes till it got dark. And so I always envisioned, Hey, that's what, you know, a good dad is he's around all the time. He's home every night. And so I had this tension. I think when uh, my daughter was born, my aunt Pierce, our first daughter is like, my life is not quite like, what my dad's was. And so it was, it was like, am I being a good father by being on the road? And I, I think I've since worked through that and, and come to see that, Hey, there's, I get, when I'm home, I'm home all the time. I don't have to go into the office so I can take my girls to school like I did this morning and, um, and just spend a lot of time with them. And so it's certainly a different lifestyle than I ever, um, than I had growing up. Uh, I'd only been on an airplane one time before I ever went to Clemson. So, uh, and now my girls are, you know, they flew to the, or we drove to the players and then, uh, drove back and then they flew to the Dominican two weeks ago to, um, so they were out for two of the four weeks that I was on the road. Uh, but it's certainly a, a bit of a different lifestyle than I had growing up in Greenwood, South Carolina. Yeah. So having only been on a plane once before getting Clemson, uh, give us kind of a insider look at your freshman year at Clemson, um, walking, walking into a really good golf program. Um, what was that like? Yeah, you know, I, South Carolina junior golf was was really good when I was growing up. I finished high school in 2005. Uh, we had I mean, a number of guys, Vince Hatfield, Philip Mollica, Luke Hopkins, all went to Clemson with me. A couple guys went to South Carolina. A lot of guys that went to play high-level Division One golf. And so I never played in an AJGA tournament. Uh, I couldn't even beat the guys in my own state. So I think my dad was like, well, why would we uh, spend all this money to go travel across the country if you have plenty of competition here? I got to play two U.S. juniors. I qualified for those. That was one of my uh, – that was my only plane flight was to San Francisco to play the, the U.S. junior at Olympic Club. And then I got to play the next year in Massachusetts, and we, we drove up there uh, to Longmeadow to play that one. Uh, and then – so I wasn't uh, – and I was, I was 17 when I started at Clemson. So I was kind of young for my class um, and maybe a late bloomer in that respect. So I didn't, I wasn't highly recruited, uh, but I grew up, uh, this is, you talked about the picture with Dabo earlier. My dad went to Alabama. So I grew up an Alabama football fan and we went to the spring game and they had a charity basketball tournament. So that's the picture Dabo was playing in the charity basketball tournament. And my brother and I went to get autographs from the former players and coaches and stuff. And so, having that background of going to games in Tuscaloosa uh, as a kid, I'd always wanted to go to a, a, a school that, you know, was a, probably an ACC or an SEC school that had big time football. And, and so I wasn't as interested in some, some of the smaller division one schools that were recruiting me. I wanted to go to a big school and uh, coach Penley gave me a, a book scholarship essentially to walk on, but that was really, I just thought it was cool to, to be on the team. Uh, and so my freshman year, I was, if we had 12 guys on the team, my scoring average in practice was probably 11th or 12th in qualifying. 
so I think there were times in my freshman year where I thought, man, am I, am I good enough to be here? Do I belong here? Can I compete with these guys? And just a lot of doubt of, um, if I was going to be successful, uh, and where that switch really flipped, I, I, I had a good summer playing golf. Once I got back home, got, got back to Greenwood, I think, you know, where I, I played well as a junior, I started playing some good golf, played some good amateur stuff that summer. And, uh, I think went back into my red shirt freshman season. I red shirted my freshman year cause I, I never could qualify. And so, uh, got back to Clemson and, and I think I was more confident coming in and qualified for the first event. And it's just, I mean, golf, we all know we play competitive golf. The confidence is such a important factor. If, if we could put our finger on how to have it all the time, I think we'd all play really well, but I think there's a multitude of factors that go into confidence, but I had some confidence coming into my, my red shirt freshman season and qualified for the first event and uh, kind of got off to the races. That's awesome. And you mentioned confidence and I think confidence plays a huge role in your first win on the PGA tour. Um, I've heard you share it a few times in different settings at retreats and Q and a settings but what was your confidence level going into your first week uh, where you won your first PGA tour event and, and how did that week progress? Yeah. So that was, um, 2014, the, the fall of the 2015 season uh, when we do the wraparound schedule and the first event of the year was in Napa at Silverado. And if they, if they would have let me play the weekend, I was on pace to shoot 26 over par. Uh, because I think I was 13 over the first two days, um, 78, 77, something to that effect. Uh, and so as you can imagine, uh, when you're on pace to shoot 26 over, you don't really feel like your game's in a, in a great spot. And I think a lot of times in golf, we have, uh, expectations that can hurt us. Like, um, you know, if I expect to, I, th I think expectations are good and bad. Like you want to, you want to go out confidently. Um, but sometimes when we let expectations creep in, it, it adds just too much pressure. And so when you shoot 78, 77, the week before your expectations are very low, uh, which they were for me going into Vegas, uh, that, that week. And I think there's just some sort of freedom to low expectations is there's, there was no pressure for me to go perform that week. Like there was only, I could only go up from where I was the, the pre the prior week where that I think the only guy in the field that I beat was sort of the local PGA section guy who got a spot. So everybody that was a PGA tour card that week I lost to. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to have to go look back. I think I birdied the first hole on Thursday morning. And, uh, I sort of was playing just free knowing that, Hey, I can only go up from here. Uh, and I, you know, I turn around and shoot 19 or 20 under par, uh, for four rounds in Vegas, which was, you know, had to be, be up there for one of the best weekly turnarounds, certainly in my career. Um, but it was, it was kind of an unexpected week, but I think my confidence grew. Uh, over the course of the week, you know, as you start seeing some putts go in and start seeing the ball uh, going to where you're looking, um, it's it certainly grew from Thursday to Friday to Saturday to Sunday. Yeah. Wow. 
from last to first <laughs> in one week. That's unbelievable. Eric, I was playing with Eric Compton in uh, Napa, and every time he sees me, he always uh, talks about how he was, you know, he was feeling sad for me after we played together in Napa. Every time I see him, too, my score increases, like, of what I shot that Thursday and Friday. You know, I started out with 75, and now he's up to, like, I remember you shot, like, 85 that that round. <laughs> oh, it felt man. like it to him, apparently. It felt like it to me, too, yeah. I remember a round we played together. I don't remember what year it was, but it was Puerto Rico. And I remember I played with you one day. I played with Kyle Stanley another it was discouraging when Kyle Stanley was out driving me with his um, like hybrid driving iron. Uh, but then around you shot, I think a 62 or 63 out there. And it was just the low lowest key 63. I mean, I would have guessed you shot 67, 68, but that's how got that scores to him. Like, wow, that's how, guy's that's how it works for Ben Martin. We played together in Sarasota a couple years ago and it was me, Blaine, Tom Whitney, Ben, and a couple of the guys. And I could have swore he shot 72. Like, it was just very boring. Uh, not a lot going on. And I'm pretty sure he shot 66. And we were just all like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, he didn't make that putt. And he made that one. He ne- and a ball was never offline. So, very straightforward, great golf. So, the la- so Ben, within the last... Uh, year like you said you've kind of been trending you've had some good golf but prior to that you didn't did you have did you have a medical for a little bit you've kind of had just some yeah yeah so you've had some different status situations talk us through um that um like that season of i mean golf kind of just being you you know you know don't know what you're going to get um and then now where you are and maybe some of the key moments that have happened over the last year? Yeah. So in 2018, my back started to bother me for about you know six months, nine months a year, kind of kept progressively getting worse to where I said, Hey, the last, I don't think I played the last seven events of that season. I was like, I mean, I need to take some time to figure out what's going on here. Things are going the, the wrong way. And so and didn't end up having any surgery, uh, thankfully, but it was, you know, I found out it was more of like a hip issue than a back issue. So um, as I, as I treated sort of the limitation of my hip, my back got better and then came back in the 20, um, played some corn fairy stuff in 2019. And then the back in the 2020 season on the PJ tour with seven medical starts and didn't retain my full status. And so I was kind of playing out of this conditional category, which is tough because you, um, you don't know what events you're going to get into. Sometimes you don't know until a day or two before that you're in the field and, it's, it's hard to get into a rhythm because you, uh, you might play one week and have four or five weeks off. And then, then maybe you have to play five weeks in a row because it's a, a series of events that you're going to get into. Uh, so it, it can be difficult for guys in that position in that 126 to 150 uh, conditional status category to uh, play well. And so when you see guys playing well, like Harris English played really well out of that category a couple of years ago, I think coming off a of medical and um which, which is just super impressive to do aaron badley he's i think out of the past champions this year and he's had a lot of success being in that similar uh situation but um yeah i've I played i played pretty good last summer 
and didn't get a whole lot of good results out of it. Uh, but, but played nice at the corn Prairie finals and got a f- full status back. And the biggest piece for me, I think was just knowing a little bit of my, my schedule was going to be, um, a little easier to predict. And, and I would, I'd be, get to play some events in a row to get some mo- momentum going. And so when you start playing well, you can kind of continue that. And so, you know, fast forward to 2022, March at the Corrales. I don't know the full name of that event. Do you, what? How do you say it? Uh, I think it's the Corrales Championship at Punta Cana, probably. Punta Cana, that's what I was <laughs> searching for in my, my brain. Um, so March of 2022, you were in contention for the event. You hit good tee shot, good approach into 18 uh, to give it a chance. And you don't make the birdie putt. But in the post-round interview, uh, you got pretty emotional. And what what I remember seeing is just the fact that you care a lot about this game of golf. But then you also talked about something really important um, that I think we're all learning. Um, as we hear about Scotty Scheffler talk about his identity, being secure in Christ, um, we think back to that interview he gave You know, April of last year after being victorious at the masters, um, your identity being secure in Christ kind of came through in that March of 2022, um, after kind of a, a tough loss, but walk us through kind of that post round interview and just kind of the things you, you have been learning about yourself through that. Yeah. So last season I was in that boat of, Hey, I, I'm just playing off a of past champion status. Like, I'm, I'm not going to get a whole lot of opportunities to, to play as much on the tour as I wanted. And so events like these opposite field events, uh, like the Dominican Corrales can be uh, huge weeks for, for guys that are in my position. And so I, I got off to a good start that week. I shot, I think six under the first round, maybe six under the second round. So I had the lead after Thursday, after Thursday's round, after Friday's round, after Saturday's round, uh, slept on the lead every single night. And then, um, I think on the, on the 16th hole, um, Chad Ramey makes a birdie to take, take the lead. So I'm one down now, two to go, two to go after kind of having this lead for about 70 holes and then, uh, hit a nice shot on 17, just ran it over the, the lip from about 25 feet and then hit driver pitching wedge to like six feet on the last hole and, um, hit a good putt. I think it just broke more than, than I anticipated. And so, I think in, in the in the weight of that moment, just felt like I had this opportunity, maybe slip through my hands, slip through my fingers, uh, to to win again on the tour, to to be exempt again. And so, yeah, I got in the interview room and uh, just I, I think I'm a, like a lot of golfers, sort of even keel. Like we we do a good job of of not getting too high when things are going well, or too, or too low when um, things are not going well, but. I think in the, in the heaviness of, uh, feeling that lead sort of slip away. Uh, yeah, I couldn't, you know, they asked me a question and I just couldn't talk, uh, for about a minute or two. Uh, but it was cool to see that, um, all the just sort of uh, positive reaction that uh, people had to, to the tour posting that, uh, I think what hopefully was able to, to, to come through in that interview, uh, and I, and I, 
I had some notes that I, because I was nervous before that round. I hadn't won in seven or eight years. And so I just took some time to, to journal down. And I was looking back through my notebook here that, um, that I wrote, there was nothing to hold on to. There's nothing to lose from what I currently have. Uh, ultimately, nothing substantial will change in my life with the result of some golf shots. And so I said, remembering this, I can have the freedom to enjoy the day and embrace uh, everything that comes. And so uh, I think I'm, I was able to, to come to that, uh, write those ideas, because it was sort of a prayer to Christ to say, you know, I know what ultimately I value in life is that my identity uh, is in him and not wrapped up in how I perform, that, um, that I can treasure that relationship. I can treasure the relationship I have with my family, with my wife and my kids, and, and win or lose like those things aren't going to change. Uh, and so, uh, even though that I, I, and it gave me the freedom, right. To go pursue just to play really well. Like I, I wanted to win obviously. And, um, and so I can, I think it's okay to be disappointed, uh, when we don't get the result that we want, but, uh, and in that moment it was as sort of crushing and it, I felt the weight of it. Uh, but it wasn't, um, anything that, I think it was emotional. It wasn't the sense that like I was devastated, uh, but it was just, I, I think it, I was emotional because I put my heart into it. And I think that's what God wants us to do, right? He wants us to, whatever we're pursuing uh, professionally to, to do it well and to do it with all our heart and, and to, and to know that uh, we're invested in it. Yeah, that that's so good. And, and that's what I, what I remember taking away from seeing that interview is it's easy um, for, for myself included to think, well, if God is fully sovereign over the results, um, then, you know, how much do I actually put into and care? Um, but what I saw is that you really cared about going and performing well. Uh, we desire to win when we go compete. Um, and I do, I agree. I think God calls us to work hard where he's called us to, and he calls us to compete um, so when you're teeing it up in an event, uh, you can glorify God by going out there and desiring to go shoot as low a score as possible. Um, so just really seeing it play out how much you cared was really cool. Um, and it can be crushing. It can be devastating. Um, but that doesn't last long when ultimately, um, the things that are most important in life don't change at all. Yeah. And one of my goals that I have in golf is just to, uh, be able to impact others through golf. Um, and so as that, with that goal in mind, like to see sort of the fruit of, of people reaching out and saying, Hey man, that interview impacted me and I uh, appreciate you being vulnerable there. Um, it's, it's pretty cool to reflect back and think, okay, God, if, if I would have won, I don't know what the interview would have looked like. Uh, but even though I didn't win, it looks like, um, that I've been able to accomplish sort of the, the vision that I have for my careers to impact others, uh, through golf. Absolutely. And honestly, one of the best things that I think came out of it were that you went through that and you displayed those truths and what the Lord was teaching you through that. And at the same time, you, Scotty was kind of getting off to his, his run. And so he was in a really good spot golf wise and winning but his identity was not in winning and you lost in that moment and your identity was not 
that you're a loser. You just happen to lose that golf tournament. And there's so much beauty that's being displayed in both of those ways. And I mean, I watched that in bed with my wife and I was like tearing up because I was like, that's my buddy Ben. And I hate this, but you, you use that moment so well. Um, but that didn't just happen overnight. So I would love for you to maybe kind of backtrack and just talk a little bit about your faith story. Um, and just how you came to know the Lord and then what it's looked like ever since, like what that sanctification process has looked like for you. Um, and I'd love for you to just kind of share a little bit of your faith story for the listener. Sure. Um, I think I was, I was extremely fortunate, uh, to grow up with my parents, believers and, and, uh, sharing with me the truth of the gospel, uh, faithfully and, um, going to church on Sundays, but I, I would say my idea of, of, of God was, was more, uh, wrapped up in like sin management. And so, um, now, you know, there's the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. So it was in, in my mind, just, uh, the way I interpreted, uh, who God was, it was like, if, um, you know, if it was fun, to do, then it was probably wrong. Uh, which was, you know, it was, it, I was, I just didn't see the, the big picture. And so, you know, I think I, I tried to be a, a good kid, a good person. Uh, you know, like you could, and there was like a moral, moral standard that it was okay to do something. Maybe I would, you know, I wouldn't cheat on a test, but I could cheat on my homework, that kind of idea. And, and God wouldn't get too mad at me for that. Um, but I, so in my, in my faith was always wrapped up in my family. And so if you ask me when I'm 18 years old at Clemson, are you a Christian? Well, yes, because I grew up in the Presbyterian church and I went through confirmation class when I was in the sixth grade. And, um, it really had nothing to do with the fruit of how I was living my life. And so, uh, I think the first time I realized, Hey, maybe, uh, my, my life doesn't really match up with what a believer's life looks like was going to a college golf fellowship retreat at Lee Jansen's house in 2005, my freshman year at Clemson. And I think one of the, my biggest memories from that retreat is like, Oh, here's a guys that uh, say they love Jesus and, uh, and they're still having fun, right? Like they're in, they're fun guys to be around and they enjoy life and they they compete with one another uh, because I think in my mind I thought uh, if if you're following Jesus it, it just means you have to be everything had to be buttoned up and so that that really opened my eyes but at the same time I think I was uh, too independent and I, I didn't want to really surrender uh, control I, I liked being in control and I liked um, I liked playing golf I liked uh, you know I was still a pretty good student. And I like to enjoy going out with my teammates. And so um, I felt like I was in a really good spot. And even though I was sort of exposed and say, hey, I think I'm missing a little piece of, of what I thought uh, Christianity was, uh, I didn't really want to, to give up control. And so I, I was I came back to Lee J- Jansen's house four out of the five years I was at Clemson and just sort of kept being exposed to the gospel there. And, th- and then when I got to the PJ Tour, um, my, the next year out of Clemson in 2011, 
I thought, all right, hey, I'm out of college and it's time to be an adult and sort of take ownership. And so, you know, I grew up going to church. This is what, you know, taking ownership does. I'm going to start going to the PJ Tour Bible study and, and I think it was Wednesday nights at that time. And so I was, you know, I went there because that's what I was supposed to do. And over the course of a few months, I think that I had, I had built up in my mind that the reach in the PJ tour, you know, I started playing tournament golf when I was seven and now I'm 23 and I've reached the, the pinnacle of life. Like playing the PJ tour was going to be what life was all about. And so I got there one month in on the West coast, two months in February, uh, March, April, I was like, man, this, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I was depressed, but I was empty. Um, and I, I realized that, man, this, this is really not as cool as I thought it was going to be. I'm traveling out here by myself, lonely away from my friends, um, away from my family. Uh, I, I was just kind of beat down. And so I think in that moment, God was really reaching out to me. It, it's funny how I think we looking back, I can see how he was pursuing me and, and, uh, making me realize that golf and the PJ tours is ultimately not what is going to give me, uh, just an abundant life. It's not going to give, it's not going to fill me up. And so somewhere in that season, I, I think I finally just cried out and said, God, I'm tired of being in control. Me being in control is, is not working out like I thought it was going to, and I need you to, to, uh, to fill me up. And so, uh, I think, you know, it was, it was very gracious to me that, uh, because of my, the, the faith of my family and my parents growing me up when I started that search of like, there's gotta be more to life than this, that I didn't have to search very far that, um, you know, I, I knew that I said, Hey, Jesus, if, if you are who you said you are, then, then I need you. Uh, but I just want to know the truth. And so, um, yes. And that was, uh, 10, 11 years ago, my rookie year on the tour. And so, I think faith wise now it's just, it's cool to look back and see how uh, there's growth over the years. And, um, and to know that, you know, when I was 12 years old, I thought, Hey, being confirmed into the church, going through this confirmation class, that's like the finish line. Like I've reached uh, heaven, right? Like God is, is, he's checked the box for me and I'm sort of good to go now. Uh, But then to realize I think really becoming a believer and surrendering my life to Jesus is, it's really just a starting point, um, in a new life. And I think, um, to know like, Hey, I was, I was sort of dead that, that old life that I had is dead. And this new life is just a, a starting point for me to grow into this new heart and this new spirit. And so, um, I think that idea has, has stayed with me that, um, life in Christ is not an end, but just the beginning. So good. And, you know, thinking about, you know, 23 years old, you're on the PGA tour, I think you've kind of arrived there and then felt empty. Uh, but now you 35, is that right? 35, 35, um, 12 years after that, uh, what are you doing now to kind of cultivate that relationship with the Lord, um, and being involved with the community? I mean, community is so important. The more that I'm on tour as well to like, just, uh, being around other guys. Like I, so when you have kids like one night away in a hotel by yourself is great to sleep. Right. But 
any more than that, it, it's just sort of isolating and, and depressing to me. So like last week in San Antonio, Brad Payne and I stayed together for a few days when Brad was in, in town to, to lead our uh, tour fellowship study. Um, I have two really good friends at home, Will and Kent, who we try to get together uh, once a week whenever we're all home. And, and we kind of, we call our group a foxhole foxhole friends and so this idea of you know if you're if you're going to live life like you want guys um with you that, that you would trust and and you know going to war with or going to battle with and and trust with your life and so you know we get together um uh, once a week usually in the evening and just just talk about life how's you know how's your job going how's your marriage going how's your your kids and uh your spiritual life um just to to encourage one another and uh and then just uh for, for me i'm i could be better um uh, getting in the word I, I sometimes if i don't have a goal then i and i neglect it and so this year uh I, I've, I've done this one other time and i thought i want to memorize just a, a, a large piece of scripture and so i've uh talked to one of y'all's contemporaries william kane uh he's pretty faithful in doing that. And so it just kind of inspired me to, to uh, do the book of Ephesians. And so I've, I've tried to do a few verses a week and I'm about halfway through the second chapter. And so th that gave me a goal to, to get in the word daily and, and um, just spend t time memorizing verses. That's so good. And I, and I hope that encourages whoever's listening Um because it's the same for everyone, no matter what you're doing, if you don't have a goal or you don't have something kind of written down or planned, then you're, you're going to quit at some point. Cause you're like, I don't know what to do today. So I'm just going to do whatever. Um, but having something to do, having something planned, you can just stay on it and then eventually it just becomes habit. Um, so that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, so we're coming up on 35 minutes. Um, so let's, let's move into a little bit of rapid fire. Um, Toby, this is your portion. We'll just start calling this like Toby's corner or something. Um, so get us going with some good rapid fires. Uh, maybe let's maybe have a master's question. Cause this will come out you know, next week after the master's, you know, it's on all of our hearts. It's a part of us injected into my veins. Love the masters. So let's do this. All right, so I'll keep it. I mean, I got all kinds of questions for you, um, but we'll go favorite piece of merchandise you got from your first Masters. Favorite? I other mean, than invitation. Other than invitation? Um, the invitation is number one. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to answer the question, but I, I'll give you this. Uh, I've... <laughs> So I met my wife, Kelly, the week before I played the masters and then I invited her to come. And so, uh, that was, she came and watched me play on, I think Thursday or Friday, uh, before we had, we'd only really met one time. Um, and then she came back on Sunday after I missed the cut. So that was sort of like our first date nice. was Sunday at the masters. Um, and one of our mutual friends came with her as well. And he gave her some, some golf lingo. She, she was, her two lines were, uh, man, these greens are really fast and wow, that was a nice drive. <laughs> and so we were sitting on 16, the par three and 
he nudged her. He's like, use one of your lines. And she said, uh, oh, that was a nice drive. <laughs> no, it wasn't really a drive. It was a par three. But she's learned a lot since then. <laughs> That's so good. What, an, what a tournament to invite your new girlfriend to. Yeah. You know? My wife was texting with a, a friend um, down the street because we went to Augusta for the first time ever um, on Monday. So we got to walk the practice round. And the friend was like, oh, where are y'all going? Oh, we're going to uh, the practice round of the Masters. And her response was, well, well good luck to Toby. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> She's going to be disappointed when she searches for a leaderboard. But um, another rapid fire question. Dream foursome, dead or alive? Dream foursome? Um, I guess I would go, uh, this is, I'm terrible at rapid fire. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Bobby Jones, we'll go Augusta. Um, Ben Hogan. And uh, I'm just thinking of some pure just ball strikers. Uh, Byron Nelson. Wow. And I'm thinking of the match too. I love that book, the match with. Yeah. That's awesome. Sounds like Augusta national would be a good place to play that round. Um, yeah, I like, I like classic golf course too. Maybe I'm thinking that era. Yeah. If you could choose any golf course to play with those three guys, what would it be? I think Palmetto golf club and Aiken. It's uh, top of my list. Um, I know like Kiz and Brownie and some of those guys, Matt Neesmith get to play down there, but that's one of my favorite all time tracks. Nice. What is your favorite meal of the day? Like breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, breakfast is up there. I'm not going to lie. Like last week in San Antonio, they had amazing food. Like an, um, I had an omelet. Hash browns, bacon, uh, good salsa, uh, some some sourdough toast with butter. Oh. And I hardly needed a meal the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, and then, what's your go-to meal on the road? Like you're leaving your practice round or whatever, and you're just going to get something quick. What's your go-to? I think Chipotle is high up on the list, right? For a lot of golfers, you kind of know what you're going to get. I, I try to be fairly. Uh, conscious about what I eat. And so, you know, you, I mean, rice and meat and veggies, uh, it's hard to go wrong there. But you know, what I do now is you, I usually go on Yelp or TripAdvisor and try to find a local spot nice. that's, that's rated. Love that. It's a bold move. Well, then let's do a follow-up. What's the best one that you found by doing that? It'll top of your head. Great Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but whenever we were in Boise uh, for the Corn Ferry Finals last summer, uh, Luke, my caddy, and I on Sunday night, we went to this, like, sort of Mexican, like, um, nice restaurant, and it was amazing, somewhere downtown, but I can't remember the name of it. But four stars are above. You really can't go wrong. Yeah, for sure. Any final ones, Tobes? Yeah, kind of a... uh... Not exactly a rapid fire, uh, but looking at your, this is more golf related specifically, uh, looking at your stats from 100 to 125 yards, you are third um, in strokes gained. 
from 50 to 125 from the rough, you're sixth. So that's pretty uh, impressive stats from inside 125 yards. So give us some some uh, ideas of why you think that is and then how to work on that, maybe how you do that. I'll tell you what uh, my caddy and I do, and I do it at home too, is I got this game from James Siegman, who I work with on my short game. And what we, we call it 10 ball 25. And so uh, my caddy picks 10 numbers from 10 yard or sorry, from 50 yards to usually 140 yards, just random numbers. And I hit 10 shots and then however many yards off I am. So he'll say 113 and I'll try to hit at 113. And then if I hit at 115, we subtract two. And so you get $25 in the bank and the goal is to hit, 10 shots and still have money left over in the bank. So you've got about two and a half yards, essentially room for error on every ball. Um, and I'm just consistent doing that. That's, that's really, uh, I would call that sort of, uh, just practice, you know, practice with a purpose instead of going out there and I'm going to hit wedges. It's like call a number, hit the shot. And so then when I get in a tournament, you know, uh, like I, th- I think of one on Sunday at, at San Antonio last week at uh, 65 yards, so back right pin, and it was on a, a tight shelf where if you missed it long, you're off the green. If you miss it right, it's off the green. It's into the wind. So we say, hey, we want to land this 62. It's in. It's five yards of hurt. It's a 68-yard, you know, 10-ball, 25 shot, and I hit it to seven feet, and I made birdie. And so um, I think when you put when you put in – quality practice, then it, you have confidence when you're competing. And the other thing from those distances is I sort of have three stock numbers with each wedge. So I have a, a 60, 55, 50, pitching wedge is 46. And so with my 60 degree, I have sort of this, uh, I call it a chip shot, but it's, I can hit it about, I know the, the, the minimum stock number I hit, it's like 56 yards. And then my like grip down full, I call it, uh, I call it flighted is 85 and then full is 97. And I have that with every wedge. So with the 55, it's 73, 101, 113 with the gap wedge, 50 degree, it's 90, um, 116 and 128. And then with my pitching wedge, it's 105, it's, uh, 129 and it's, 139 and so I have three stock numbers with four wedges and so that's that's 12 stock numbers and so there's very few I guess yardages that I'm uncomfortable with and and those are different trajectories as well and so like I can hit that if I have a 75 yard shot into the wind and I want to flight it down I can hit sand wedge I don't have to hit lob wedge because I've got that chippy 55 that I know goes 73 stock, but I can bump it up, you know, to 78 just with a feel. And so I think those couple, those two principles uh, would be uh, quality practice. So I put my GC quad down and Luke calls those numbers out in that 10 ball 25. I mean, you can do it with cones, right? If you don't have a track man or, or a quad, you, that's how Seekman and I used to do it or, and even how I did it kind of as a kid, I, I always sort of did the same thing, you know, put cones in five or 10 yard increments and you can ballpark how far it goes. And then, uh, having those, uh, stock numbers with your wedges, I think, I think 12 is, 
um, a pretty good number to have three stock numbers with four wedges. That's so good. What a game. What's your uh, best score on that game? I want to say I got it in 18 one time. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I feel like there should be a little bit of like betting in there where if you if you do your job, your caddy has to pay you. If you don't do your job, you have to pay the caddy. You know? Usually we do, we do do that. Like it's more, I engage more, right? If there's $10 on the line yeah. or something like that, it would be like, you know, if I'm below 25, he gives me, he Venmo's me 10. It doesn't even feel like real money when you Venmo. So um, <laughs> if I lose, then I Venmo him. But the aspect of that is everybody else sees that you had to pay him, yeah. you know? So well, sure. there's a little bit of, you know, public shaming involved. <laughs> All right. Well, Ben, it has been awesome uh, to have you on the podcast this morning. Uh, loved hearing more of your story. Uh, look forward to seeing you out on the road again sometime soon this year. Uh, and best of luck at Hilton Head in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll release this one during the RBC. So let's let's get like a first or second round lead, and then we'll we'll pump it out right then. Sound good? Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Golf Life Faith Podcast. Whether you're a college golfer, a coach, or you just love golf, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at collegegolffellowship.com. Also, check us out on Instagram at College Golf Fellowship and on Twitter at CGF Tweet. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and be on the lookout for the next episode next month. Cheers.